0: a lot of different things I can talk about after that game last night, and I'll throw at least a couple other things into the mix, but I'm all about Ben Gamble today. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up... Daily shots of Steelers and Penguins, right where you found this. But last night, last night belonged to the Pittsburgh Baseball Club beating the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, you heard me right. Six to five was the final. Never mind that it was six nothing at one point until Nick Mears came in and started giving up a bunch of runs. 6-5 6-5 was the final, meaning the Pirates scored one more run than the Reds. Understand, please, that Cincinnati had won nine of the first ten meetings by a cumulative score of 82-26. So that was one thing to like about it. Another thing to like is that the Reds lost, the Reds Entered the day holding the second and really the only available wild card spot in the National League by a hair. And I'm sure the Reds are looking ahead at the rest of their schedule and thinking, oh, yeah, we got it made. We got nine against the Pirates. This is just a done deal. And they lose. And anytime Cincinnati loses, The football in us emerges, and everyone's just a little bit happier. Dylan Peters pitched well. Five scoreless innings. Best changeup he's shown since coming to the Pirates, according to Derek Shelton. Came out a little earlier, I'm sure, than anybody would have wanted. Shelton said that was just part of the script since he was coming off the I.L. That's a positive Yoshi Tetsugo and Jacob Stallings, who was the Clemente Award nominee earlier in the day, each had two hits and two RBIs. Also nice. I'm here to talk about Ben Gamble. He also had two hits. He had an RBI. And I'm going to share with you just not even really some kind of case for why he should stay. To me, that's obvious. Watch him play baseball. It's not about his numbers. He's batting 247 with seven homers, 23 RBIs. He's got a 735 OPS. None of that's super exciting, even though he's only logged 299 official at bats. None of that's going to make you go, wow, world beater. But Gamel is your classic fourth-slash-fifth outfielder on a normal team. You love to have a guy who makes playing baseball look A, routine, B, fun. He does both, and he does it at the plate and in the field. That doesn't mean he's always successful. For every phenomenal catch like the one he had at Wrigley a couple weeks ago, He's going to have a missed diving attempt like the one he had last night. He probably didn't even need to dive. For every 2 for 4 or 3 for 4, he's going to have an 0 for 4. But you need guys like Gamble on your team, I think, at any stage of any build. You need someone to go out there and make baseball look like not the hardest freaking thing in the world to do, which is what way too much of the Pirates roster, including guys who are talented, make it look like. Because they're not cool and calm and collected and just uh, being the chill dude. You want to talk about a chill dude? Listen to Gamble. This is incredible. Listen to Gamble's answer last night after the game when he was asked what Roberto Clemente Day, which is today, of course, will mean to him. um, No, a lot. You know, obviously he paved the, paved the way here. Um, you know, he's got bridges and walls and you name it, named after him. And, you know, I, I think that's just kind of a testimony of to who he was as a person, you know, on and off the field. You know, and, uh, you know, I'm off the field, you know, he's just a spectacular human being. So, you know, very lucky we get to wear his number. That's so classic, Gamble. It's so beautiful. He's like, yeah, guy's got like bridges and walls named after him and stuff. And he doesn't mean any of that in any kind of disrespectful, certainly not a malicious tone. It's just how he communicates. He's got a whole lot of that uh, surfer guy vibe to him. And you have to love having someone like that around. If nothing else, it offsets the angst, sometimes the agony that you experience, but also that the players experience from struggling as mightily as they do and feeling like, oh no, this is it. If I don't succeed now, I'm going back to Indianapolis, whatever. You need to have a Ben Gamble around. Oh, and another thing. He's eminently affordable, and I'd say that even if the Pirates were spending a lot of money as opposed to having a zero-dollar payroll commitment going into 2022. Gamble's at $1.5 million this year, and he's arbitration eligible. All the Pirates have to do is tender him. Maybe if all other things were equal, you wouldn't tender him and you'd try to do something else. No, just tender him and just keep him. You need players like that around here. Oh, and yet another thing. There's no one he could conceivably be blocking. That's because Neil Huntington and Kyle Stark left the minor league system at the upper levels so barren that you're talking about Travis Swaggerty coming off a major shoulder surgery. Now he's going to have to play at least some significant amount of time in AAA and prove himself before he can make it to Pittsburgh. You're talking about Jared Oliva who's never done anything in his multiple appearances in Pittsburgh. And you're talking about... Oh, nobody. There are no outfielders at the upper levels. Don't talk to me about O'Neill Cruz. Certainly not as an outfielder. He's got work to do. Ideally... Not to change a subject here, he'll do that at shortstop where you can maximize his value at a premium position. gamel has got to stay, got to stay. I understand this doesn't matter. I understand that uh, if I'm putting together a list of the top 25 concerns that the Pittsburgh Baseball Club has between the 2021 season and the 2022 season, that Gamel doesn't make that list. I appreciate that. I also appreciate the way he plays and what he brings on and off the field. And I, me, I believe that that's essential for this team now and into the future. When we come back, just one question. Time for just one question and it's always brought to you on this program by our friends at North Shore Tavern directly across Federal Street from PNC Park, home of steak on a stone, home of all kinds of delicacies on a stone. It's an eating experience and I am underscoring the word experience. Also a great great place to watch ball games on TV including and notably when the Pirates are on the road, it's a pure baseball bar. From front to back, floor to ceiling, wall to wall. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Today's J1Q comes from Jim, who asks, Why does anyone think that Bob Nutting, one, cares about attendance, two, will do anything differently than he's ever done? Major League Baseball's system allows Nutting to do what he does. Yes. (laughs) I mean, yes, you're right. It remains, no matter how else you cut it up, a problem that is rooted in the system. That's not to say that Nutting doesn't have his share of blame in it. But one of the things that gets completely lost anytime the salary cap subject comes up is this. A cap isn't just the top. People hear cap, and they think that, so it's understandable. It's kind of like when people used to refer to climate change as global warming, and every time it got cool, they'd be like, see, there's no global warming, it was just a bad term. Climate change is way more accurate. Salary cap isn't the greatest terminology for this, because it implies that it's just a cap, and it's not. Salary cap system, all of them, all of them, all of them, come with a floor. So when you hear someone say salary cap and the next guy says, well, what about a salary floor? They're all part of that. So is expanded revenue sharing. What a salary cap system creates in the NFL, in the NHL, and in the NBA is a range of about 20 to $30 million in which all teams are forced to spend, meaning limited in spending, and forced from the bottom to spend. There's a range in there. And believe it or not, all three leagues are right around the same. They're all right in that $20 million to $30 million range. And as a result, you almost never hear about a team being cheap or about a team getting credit for spending to the cap because the range is so small. And in those kinds of dollars, that's really, really small. So, while you might have, let's say in the NFL, a Cincinnati Bengals or a Jacksonville Jaguars who don't spend to the cap, the separation is just 20 or 30 million out of 150, 170, 180, whatever it happens to be. It's not great. And if you had that system in baseball where revenue sharing was spread across. All 30 teams, meaning the local TV contract in Los Angeles, basically just goes into a pool that's shared by all 30 teams. And everyone had the capability to spend in a much higher range than what you see now. The dirty little secret that the union doesn't want the players to know is that there would be more money for the players. It just wouldn't all go to Trevor Bauer. And a handful of other guys, because the Dodgers singularly can afford to outbid everyone else. It would go across the board. You would see, and you have seen this in the NFL, the NHL. The NBA is a little different because there's only five starters on a team and everybody makes a ton of money. But in the sports where there are a lot of players on the team, they get more money to the lower-paid and the medium-paid guys. If you did that, to swing back to your question, to Bob Nutting specifically, he'd have no choice. That's the rules. I I hear all the time people say stuff like, oh, he'd never spend into that range. He'd have no choice! That would be the rule! That's how it is! You think Art Rooney or Mario Lemieux has an option to spend less than the NFL or NHL salary floors? You think they can just say, no, you know what, we're special. We're going to spend less. Can't do it. Can't do it. And Nutting wouldn't be able to either. And the fact of the matter is, is that once a cap system were to be put in place in baseball, and heaven knows I'm not predicting that, you wouldn't even know Nutting's name. You wouldn't even remember who he is. The same way nobody in town remembers... That the NHL's lowest payroll, very bottom, before the league put in its salary cap, was in Pittsburgh, under the ownership of Mario Lemieux and Ron Burkle. Same thing would happen to the Steelers if there were no cap. And we'd all be saying that Art Rooney is cheap. I'm not saying that nutting isn't cheap, and I'm not saying that your skepticism on these other counts that you mentioned isn't warranted, okay? Okay. I'm just trying to paint the most accurate picture possible for you to form whatever viewpoint it is that you choose to form. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Let's do another one tomorrow.